0: Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience podcast. Today I have with me, Shannon Roddy. He's an Amazon e-commerce consultant and the founder of Marketplace Seller Courses, online courses, resources, and tools for brand selling on Amazon. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Roman. It's a pleasure to be on. Pleasure to have you on. So tell me a little bit about how you got to the 2019 you, how you got into the profession you are in now and some of the stuff along the way.
1: Yeah, I've had a pretty interesting and diverse experience, which we'll dive into a little bit uh, later on. But, you know, initially I grew up in Chicago and went out to school in Colorado. Durango is beautiful, you know, 6,500 feet up in the mountains and absolutely loved my four years there. Did a bit of creative writing. The goal really at that point in my life was to get into film production. And so following that, I took a road trip out with a friend Moved to LA um, to get into the film industry, wound up working in entertainment for several years, um, bounced around to some music entertainment, handful of odd jobs, but ultimately it was um, getting married at uh, 27 and my wife and I taking a, a sort of a break or a pause from the entertainment jobs that we'd been working at for a while. It can be really taxing, especially on relationships or marriage. You know, when people are on call or you're working 15, 16 hours a day, and so after a couple of years of working sort of nine to five admin jobs, we just sort of had this itch to do more and get out there and just sort of bored of the routine that we'd kind of fallen into. And so we decided to move to Africa. And so we had a couple of friends there who had an uh, organization that worked with uh, business empowerment and doing some uh, business development and uh, relationship building. It was such a cool, uh, organization and NGO to be a part of. So we wound up going and interning for about 15 months, uh, 2010, 2011. And really when we got back was kind of when things started because I didn't have a job and my best friend at the time, Eric Koymans, had a web design company and said, well, you know, I need people. If you're interested, I can train you on everything you need to do. And so I wound up working with him and subcontracting on some web jobs and out of that some of the e-commerce clients he had needed some work on Amazon and one thing led to another and I wound up uh, starting my own web design company and then eventually Amazon just became the thing that I realized was going to be more pertinent and prevalent for me. It was something I could do better um, than just web design. So I made the pivot and I've been doing Marketplace seller courses and Amazon consulting for about the last uh, five or six years.
0: Now that's awesome. And uh, are there specific products you work on or like specific services as a consultant that you offer besides the courses? Like, straight the description we had, you've reached several products to uh, number one in their space. How's kind of uh, the process you work with clients?
1: So, there's a couple different ways that I work with clients now. And even, you know, as a business has evolved and I've grown my strengths, Um, the sort of the three arms of the business, if you will, are um, the courses is obviously one um, where all the services and courses and everything is primarily geared towards brand owners and inventors. People who have created a unique product or a line of products that they're looking to get onto Amazon. You know, Amazon's huge right now, obviously, you know, 55% of all product searches start on Amazon. Uh, It takes in over 50% of all e-commerce revenue. So it's the fastest way to get proof of concept and also just to generate sales so we really focus on the inventors brand owners market Um, but we basically say there's sort of like three phases that we really help one is launch so helping a brand launch new products making sure they're setting their account up correctly making sure that their listing uh, their listings are optimized correctly and they've built in the infrastructure there's a lot of tools and a lot of things you need to have in place so that you can scale just like any business And so we make sure that they have those at the launch phase so they don't have to go back and kind of do them later. And then the second part is really grow. And so that's businesses that we find or come across or who come across our website where they're doing okay, but their sales have kind of plateaued. They're really looking to grow. Um, And so there's just so many things we find that they're typically not doing, you know, gaps um, in their uh, strategy that we can assist with. And we typically see a really good Uh, increase in sales depending on the product depending on um, their holistic strategy and then the third part is protect Um, lots of brands that we work with are in massive cleanup mode right so either they're selling on amazon and they've got tons of unauthorized sellers or they've got duplicate listings counterfeit trademark infringement copyright infringement or they kind of show up last at the party right so they go on amazon and they realize everybody else is selling their products except them right (laughs) and they're And they're doing a pretty poor job in terms of representing the brand. So those three aspects are all aspects that we help with from a coaching or consulting um, standpoint. But then the third part I also do is speaking. So whether it's being, you know, guests on podcasts, webinars, or um, speaking at e-commerce conventions, uh, or even for, you know, companies to do in-house training uh, with their employees, that's really my passion. And It all kind of hones around the central core concept of taking something really complicated like Amazon, and breaking it down and making it really simple uh, and relatable and understandable for other people.
0: No, that's awesome. What's kind of a a common misconception with someone uh, that, you know, invents a product or wants to get a product online? What's kind of uh, what you see often?
1: Well, here's the three keys of advice that I can give to any inventor. We call them sort of the three key secrets for an inventor to launch on Amazon. One is e-commerce and social media presence is huge. And a lot of people think, well, why do I need a website or social media to launch on Amazon? But they're so critical to have an audience that you can drive to your initial listing to launch a product. Um, it also gives you a lot of ability to engage with potential customers. You know, Find your customers, find affiliates, find partners um, who have your audience through social. And then just having your own e-commerce website, it gives you a little channel diversification, um, but it's also really helpful if Amazon you know, ask you know, for the manufacturer website to make a change, you've got to have a manufacturer website for your brand. The second one is not having a trademark. So having a trademark is huge. Get your brand name registered. Um, with the USPTO, it can take nine months at the sort of minimum uh, up to over a year. So getting those two things in place. And then lastly, GS1 UPC codes are really the best way to create a product listing, control a product detail page on Amazon, and eventually expand into retail without having to redo your packaging. So those are three things that a lot of inventors kind of overlook and think I can just bypass all that and go straight to Amazon. Having that infrastructure in place is going to first and foremost give you head and shoulders opportunity above all the competition and a really successful model to launch the product and not simply put it on the Amazon shelf and sort of watch it sit there.
0: Uh, that's awesome i think the the brand component the brand building having a brand or establishing a brand before you get on amazon is important too in terms of that uh, credibility factor absolutely 100 percent. so what motivates you to succeed
1: <laughs> it's a good question i mean the short answer is really my family right it's it's my wife it's being able to provide for my family and kids, but it's also, you know, I've got two boys, um, it's being able to be a good model for them. And I think for me, it really comes down to the definition of success, which for me has a lot more to do with character and integrity than any achievements of success or things that we typically, you know, associate with success, how much money you make, what your title is, you know, how many accolades you've got, because those fade really, really fast. And you know, what, really stays with us for the long term, are relationships. And at the end of the day, you know, when people come to your funeral, they're not going to bring all the accolades that you want. They're not going to say like, this guy created a fortune 500 company. Like, that's not what people remember you for. It's about relationship. And so for me, having character and integrity is really kind of my definition of success. And I want to have that so that I can give my kids a path to follow and hopefully be good Role model for them, and and be a good example, and, and make an impact in my community.
0: I agree, and I think the the whole character and integrity aspect also leads to those accolades. Because if you're doing it kind of the wrong way, um, several companies I worked with or for in the past, um, in terms of being unethical, it eventually catches up to you, and that's kind of your reputation over time, and that's what kind of withstands the test of time. So. Like you said, at your funeral, nobody remembers necessarily, you know, that you were a CFO at a company, you know, why? But if you were bad to somebody or you were, you know, not that honest somewhere else, uh, that kind of thing is highlighted in what's left. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right.
1: And, you know, again, it's about what's left at the end of the day. People can achieve temporary success, what looks like temporary success, very quickly. Um, But if you sacrifice your character and integrity in the meantime, you're probably going to lose it. And you could just look at the number of athletes that have had, you know, prestigious awards taken away, you know, because they caught doping or whatever the case may be. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I do think that if you operate with character and integrity and are proactive, you know, that you take initiative, that you can achieve those external successes as well or achievements. But I think for me it's it's as long as that's not your final motivation um because it it never really satisfies i i just finished reading tony shay's book uh delivering happiness and here's a guy who started a company after after he graduated from college over the weekend you know um that then sold to microsoft for something like 260 million dollars and yet he talks about the disappointment in all of that as the company lost its culture he felt like he wasn't doing something he was passionate about he had a lot of money but he the money didn't make him happy and you know his journey to then work with startups and eventually come on board with zappos and instead create a culture that he really cared about and loved and was about delivering happiness and awesome customer service you know that company sold to amazon for 1.2 billion dollars you know within 10 years and that was a really cool success and achievement, but that wasn't the primary goal. The goal was to create a company and a culture that was awesome and awesome to work for, awesome to be at, awesome to be a part of, and, you know, can provide awesome customer experiences. And so again, I think you're right. I think you can achieve those things um, if you do the right thing, but it's a it's really about where your focus is.
0: I agree. And I think it's a, a short game versus a long game. So doing some unethical stuff or the wrong things or focusing on instant wins that obviously is temporary but if you have character who you are and if you don't change that that's kind of a foundation over time eventually that will you know build because with social media and everything else people see just you know the highlights of your life so they think you've gotten xyz by doing almost nothing sometimes sure sure and all the highlights are you know, the, the positive aspects and they don't see all of the struggles along the way. So I think it's uh, that long-term journey to get to where uh, you're trying to get to.
1: Yeah, I've, I've been really fascinated lately with you know, Simon Sinek. He's got a new book coming out, The Infinite Game. And it's so interesting when you frame things in that context, most companies and a lot of individuals frame things in sort of a, a finite game um and they're like we're number one and you're like yeah but for how long and what does that actually mean and I didn't agree to those terms of being number one in you know that capacity (laughs) and that could all change next quarter or next month and you know when you look at it it's it's really about an infinite game and having having the right focus does give you that perspective but I I absolutely agree I think if you were to talk to you know nine out of ten people that you really respect and admire and think they kind of like made it really fast. If you were to actually find out their stories, there'd probably be a lot of pain and hardship that you didn't know about and you wouldn't be willing to trade for their successes. And it's not like we have that option, but I think sometimes it gives us a little more contentment about where we are and who we are, knowing that, yeah, I don't think I'd be willing to give up everything that's good in my life to get what I see as good in your life, you know? And uh, I think those are questions that I ask myself and have to remind myself of times when I look at somebody and go oh my gosh I can't believe that and I think yeah but would I be willing to go give up everything in my life for theirs
0: and the answer is no it's, it's typically always no. I agree and I think uh, personally a lot of the times I'll rather be number two <laughs> because number one you everybody's after you to dethrone you number two <laughs> you're the second best and you're I think you're not necessarily taking your foot off the pedal a lot of the time so you're, you're hungrier in that sense because a lot of companies Individuals, when they attain some level of success, they take their foot off the pedal. And number two, you don't necessarily have anything to lose, obviously. You can (laughs) slip in terms of some kind of, you know, you're the number two in your industry, but that number one has a lot of pressure to stay number one more so than that uh, contender.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the innovator's dilemma. And again, as Simon Sinek points out, there is no real number one. Number one in what? number one in revenue, number one in clients, number one in profit. How about number one in customer satisfaction? There's a million ways you could slice and dice number one. And, you know, in order to have a finite game, everybody has to agree on the rules and it has to be a fixed time frame and known players and we're just not in it. You know, baseball is a finite game, but but business is an infinite game. So in a lot of ways, there is, there is no number one, <laughs> you know, and when we think about it that way, it's enough just to be really great at what we do. And I think, I think for me, that's the driving factor. You know, yes, what pushes me. I just want to be really great at what I do. And the answer is just because, because I, I'm prone to excellence. I, I just, I want to do it even if it's just for me. I want to go above and beyond. I want to make the experience great. And sometimes it can be good enough for other people and it's not good enough for me. And sometimes it's good enough for me and it's not good enough for peop- You know, other people. And I have to be okay with that.
0: No, I agree. So what's one weakness that you've seen in yourself in the past that you've taken and turned into a strength and utilized today? (laughs) It's a good question.
1: Uh, First of all, there's probably a lot. (laughs) But second of all, I, I was trying to think about a couple of them. One is I get bored really easily and I'm really curious about things, how things work. So I was the kid in school where I would ask a question, and the teacher wouldn't have finished giving the answer, and my hand would already be up again to ask another question, and they kind of like look over you and go like, anybody else, (laughs) you know, Um, and you know, what goes around comes around. My son asks 15,000 questions a day, and I I love it, But, but I think that curiosity led me to discover and try a lot of different things, and you know, the downside to that was I worked Probably 30 jobs in the first 30 years of my life, and I'm—I mean, sort of like same same position at a different company, like completely different jobs, like everything from working at Best Buy doing home audio sales to working in construction. I was a sandwich maker at Subway. I—I I was a janitor. I delivered cabinets, and I worked in a t-shirt shop, and I was a personal assistant. I mean, there's literally on and on and on. And part of that was intentional. A part of that was intentional because working in film production, I really felt like I wanted to understand life from a lot of different perspectives and that was kind of a good way to do it because you just get to meet so many people and you know, you go into a shop and you're like, okay, I know what it's like to be a customer. What's it like to be the guy behind the counter? And kind of getting to understand what life looks like from those different perspectives. So there was a part of it that was you know, intentional, but You know, from a from a standpoint of salary, you know, it basically looked like I was going laterally for the first, you know, 10, 12 years of my career where all of my other, you know, a lot of my friends were, you know, getting salaries and bonuses and, you know, getting promotions and stuff. And I was literally making minimum wage, you know, uh, after 10 years, I was still going from all these different industries and trying out new things. But the cool thing about that is it gave me such a vast, unique experience. And such a really broad foundation and understanding of so many different aspects of life that I can bring a lot to the table when it comes to what I do now. So for Amazon, for example, a lot of people just do Amazon and and that's great. Um, But what's cool for me is my background in web design and SEO, you know, helps tremendously with doing like HTML for Amazon listings or an eye for photos and graphic design and copy and layout. But also understanding how to build infrastructure and, you know, different tools and resources that you can use to to leverage to grow your business. Um, Understanding things about UPC codes and how to get a GS1 or, you know, a registered trademark with USPTO. So it's never just one thing. It's bringing a really holistic viewpoint and solution to a problem. And, you know, since I've sort of gain that foundation of this is what I think I can be really good at and do well. I've got a really strong foundation that I can build on and go up pretty quickly. And so the last, you know, three or four years of my career have been exponential growth. Whereas you know, I sacrificed that by making the first, you know, 15 roughly lateral, just kind of building, building a base and building a foundation.
0: Yeah, I think it's important if you are, you know, younger, getting into the workforce to kind of taste all these different things and different professions and different ways of life, in terms of getting a more holistic worldview and where people are coming from, from each of the, these professions and kind of their walks of life as well. Yeah. And taking things then and building because you retain those, you know, key skills from each of those because you've learned something from each role. And it's kind of the same thing being in digital marketing. Some people just kind of stay in search engine optimization or social media. I try to get a whole, you know, well-rounded view of, you know, all aspects of digital marketing, but still have a foundation or core in one thing. Mm -hmm. And also not only work in one vertical, but work in several different verticals and then take learnings from each and what work and try them out in other verticals that people may not be trying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, college was you know, basically like a playground, you know, you can try six things in one semester and see if you like them. And I think a lot of us, we don't even know what we'd like or be good at. And, you know, I, I put astronomy off, I was supposed to take an astronomy course in college, and I just kept putting it off. I'm like, astronomy is so boring. Well, I put it off to my senior year, I took astronomy and I loved it, and then I wish I'd <laughs> taken it earlier so that I could have, you know, done done more astronomy courses. So taking the time to try new things and learn is really important. And obviously it depends on people's personality and what your life goals are. But, you know, people that I used to envy who would sort of know what their passion was, they studied it in college, they got an internship, they got a job right out of school, worked for the same company and just got promoted and kind of only knew one thing. You know, well, a lot of that sort of stability in terms of salary or this crazy thing called a 401k, whatever those are, You know um they seem really sort of enviable when you step back and you look at it um, what i've come to really value is my life experience which i wouldn't trade for the world you know now that i've had it and realize how valuable that is i've seen so many different parts of life and i've seen so much of what life has to offer and how broad life can be i mean spending time in east africa where you know we would go out to the maasai villages in kenya and just it just blows your mind. And, you know, again, working for different companies and entrepreneurs and then, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, it, it can open doors. And it really starts with just being exposed to those things first and foremost. And then second of all, realizing, hey, I, I could do this too. And, uh, you know, so I, I think it's, everybody's got to ch- choose their own path. But for me, that's been the really exciting part is, is making that sort of downside um,
0: an upside i agree and i think it keeps you grounded as well so like that whole travel aspect you see how other people live in the world and how truly blessed we are with the um opportunities we have in the united states and what you know we have in terms of things like even we take for granted like clean drinking water you know food shelter um, medicine where a lot of people are dying from you know malaria malnutrition dirty drinking water all over the world
1: yeah absolutely absolutely
0: so what's one piece of advice personal professional you can leave with the audience well I think I've kind of touched on it or hinted at but
1: I would say find something that you're passionate about and something that you can be great at when you find something that you truly love doing they say you don't really ever have to go to a day of work in your life <laughs> you know there's just, there's always going to be work behind it but there's something about passion, which really just means that its core root, willingness to suffer for something we love. And it's sort of that willingness to suffer that, yeah, there's there's good days and there's, there's down days and fun days and not so fun days. But if we're truly passionate about what we do, it makes the ride a lot more enjoyable. And the second part is, you know, finding something that you can be great at, not just good at, not just okay at or sufficient at or competent at, but really be great at. And so for me, I think there's sort of two sides to that. One is looking at the Jim Collins, good to great, you know, three concentric circles. What, what are you most passionate about? What drives your uh, economic engine, your, your revenue? And what can you do better than anybody else in the world? And finding and discovering that can take a long time. Some people discover it right away, just right out of the gate. Other people, it takes years. Sometimes it takes decades, but it's worth it. To discover um, who you were really made to be, who are you were wired to be? Um, Jim Collins calls it encoded. What were you encoded to do? And so, I have a really practical sort of takeaway, if, if that's okay to offer to the audience. I think um, sometimes those are the most helpful. So, my my tip to do this, if you're looking kind of be in this discovery, you know, phase and kind of figure that out. What I've done, and I've done with a lot of other people, and I've found it's really helpful. Take a sheet of paper. Draw a line across the top and a line down the center. And on the left hand, put everything that makes you feel alive. You know, what are the things that you do? What are the aspects of life that you encounter that really just make you feel alive, make you feel excited? And on the second side, on the right side, put down everything you're good at. Doesn't even necessarily have to be things that you like. Like I'm, I'm good at computers. I don't like sitting in front of a computer every day, but I'm fast. I'm really good. I can pick up new software quickly. And if you do this and you spend time, intentional time to sit down, even even just for half an hour, you kind of see out of this combination of passion and skill, like this job description sort of emerges. And even if it's not a job that exists, you can probably go out and create it. Because if we're good at something and we're passionate about it, the odds are it's probably likely to be able to help somebody else in a significant way. And the more we can discover that and the more we can align ourselves with our strengths um, instead of trying to overcompensate for our weaknesses, I think, again, you know, the more successful we can be in all aspects of life, but the more enjoyable the
0: ride is going to be as well. No, I agree. That's great advice to kind of hone in on what your passion is and what you're good at. So you're actually utilizing that and basically being the best at it and then being in demand since you are the best at it and you enjoy doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can be a lot of fun and it can also, you know, provide a lot of income and, you know, the ability to use that you know, above and beyond to take care of your family. But also, you know, there's just again, having traveled a little bit, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of great kids out there that need opportunity. There's a lot of, you know, orphans. There's a lot of people who need mentoring. Um, money can certainly be used for, you know, nice vacations and to you know enjoy life, buy a home, that kind of thing but it's also so valuable to remember that um, we can use it to contribute to society in really meaningful ways. And we can make an impact that's going to far outlast, you know, our time on earth. And uh, you know, that's, that's what excites me. That's what gets me up every morning is those um, you know, internal passions and those external passions to, to help people and, and make a difference
0: in people's lives. I agree. And at the end of the day, like, if you want to give back and help, it's not, you know, Only you don't have to be rich and don't think, I don't have money to donate or whatever. Your time and expertise, like you said, in mentoring and just being there. Me and my wife are foster parents. That's awesome. So uh, being there, a lot of the kids are coming with, you know, no fathers, you know, turbulent upbringings and just being a role model really helps regardless if obviously they stay with you full time or get adopted or for a week or a year, you still have that meaningful impact uh, in their lives.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I learned a long time ago that you can do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And people sometimes limit themselves and think, well, I don't have a lot to give. Therefore, I won't give anything. And if if you only have a little bit, give a little. And, you know, a little bit of difference can make a huge difference in somebody's life. You know, whether it's buying a, you know, a sandwich for a homeless person or, um, you know, Taking a kid out for, you know, for ice cream, who, like I, like you said, you know, might be in one of those foster care type situations, you know, the ability to make an impact in somebody's life um, can be relatively low cost, but it's about taking what we have, however much that is, and using it to make an impact. And I think that's, that's the really fun part of life. That's what makes it worth living.
0: I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you?
1: Yeah, again, thanks so much for having me. I've I've really enjoyed our conversation and enjoy uh, you know getting, getting to chat with you as well. Um, if people are looking to connect me uh, with me, the fastest and easiest way is on LinkedIn. And you can just search Shannon Roddy on LinkedIn, or you can go to our website, which is Marketplace Seller Courses. That's marketplace Awesome.
0: Thanks again for stopping by. Thanks
1: so much, Roman. Appreciate
0: it.